Welcome to Grace Harvest Church's weekly podcast. For more information about Grace Harvest Church or to find out more about something you hear during the podcast, visit us online at graceharvestchurch.org. Now listen in and allow God to speak to you through this week's message. got a Bible, if you could open up to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, we're going to jump off there. I have the opportunity this morning to continue a series that we've been on called Heart Matters. Today is Sanctity of Life Sunday. All across our nation, churches are remembering the value of life and are encouraging their people to remember and to advocate and to speak about. And so we, this morning, thought that um, in light of what is happening in the atmosphere and the culture of our nation, that we should dialogue and discuss it. In fact, my assignment for today is not the assignment that I'm going to share with you. Uh, just really felt like we should pivot for a Sunday and continue in the theme, but talk about our culture and about some things that are going on in our nation right now, and even our response as a church. And I just um, want to tell you that our Pastors and leaders are on the same page on this, and though um, I do have a video I'm going to show you in a little bit that I did not ask for permission to share, I'm pretty sure we'll be on the same page, and so we'll have to just roll with that. But, but if you're at Genesis chapter 2, you know, we're talking about heart matters and issues of the heart, and, and this morning, even the dialogue about life matters is a heart matter, Amen. That, that, that when we begin to understand this whole narrative and talk of life and its value, uh, it really begins and ends with, with us as believers looking at Scripture. And I want to build a, a case here just through dialogue about what, what we're talking about. So, so we want to recognize that our view is that God is the author of life. That right from the beginning, that it was his design, it was his desire, it was his plan. Everything about it was about him. And and this is why this is important, because because as I journey through this, some of you already, I've said we're going to talk about the sanctity of life and of life, and you're in my camp. You're already here cheering me on and woohoo and you know and we know that we're, we're going to talk about the unborn and, and and life in the womb but but we're going to talk about several other things this morning that you may find yourself grappling and wrestling with and maybe right here you're in my camp but by the end of this time you may find that you're wrestling with far more than just ideas about life in the womb in fact on several issues you might find that you're polar opposite from where I am in the narrative But in all these things, I challenge you to assess and to visit and to to seek to ask God through through the work of the Holy Spirit to, to really bring clarity on issues about how we engage with one another, how we fight for those who can't speak for themselves, and how we hold a worldview that would value life. Amen? And so as we dialogue through this, Let's, let's begin. So Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living 
thing. The Dictionary of Bible Language says to be alive, living, is to pertaining to having animate life and having absolute being, being vigorous, lively, robust, pertaining to one healthy and being able to expend considerable energy, life. I remember when we decided that... Um, uh, that we, we, we would begin trying to have a baby and then through the journey of pregnancy. And I remember the very first time I held my son 18 years ago. And I remember holding him and looking at him, not knowing what this even means, right? Holding this little infant that, that resembled some of me and had some characteristics of of who I am and features and, and formed and was very similar to maybe even remnants of how I looked when I was an infant. And, and as, I be, as I'm listening to the struggles of breath and, and to, the, to the sounds of, of the lungs and the churning of, of life, I begin to realize that what I hold in my hands isn't just, just my son, but what it represents is a future, and a hope. And innately, what, it repre- what he represented, not only to our family, but to culture and to the community and to our society, was that, was that we are going to go on. And that there is another day that is going to happen. And that, that the future of our people, that would be all of us, is represented in this little one. And that's the same for you, and that's the same for you, and that's the same for everyone around us, that, that intrinsically and natively that we understand that, that life begins in the womb, and it was God's idea, and the narrative is His, and that all cultures around the world understand that the hope of another day does lie in the giving of life. And through the birth of a new one. Come on, are, are you following me? And so, so, so God is the author of life. And there's, isn't there something about, when I, when I talk about life, it isn't just that it's, it's animate and it's breath and it's, it's living. But you could also speak of life as in atmosphere and attitude. And you know what I'm talking about. Have you ever walked into a place and, and it was alive and buzzing with life? and energy, and it was in the atmosphere. And you know, what took to make that happen wasn't just that there was great TVs, or a sound system, or chairs that you sit in, or carpet. One thing lent itself to that. People. People gave to that atmosphere, created a culture in there that, that, that lent to the feeling of Life And so, so we're talking about that God is the author. In John 1, 1 through 4, and verse 9, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. Verse 4, In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The true light, which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. This is a fantastic, in fact, uh, you want a great narrative, a great read, the book of John, John chapter one, start there, read all the way through. It builds a good structure and a narrative 
of Jesus Christ. In fact, when, when he's talking about right here in the beginning was the word, he wasn't talking about the Bible that you hold. He was talking about the word of God that was made flesh and dwelt among us. His name was Jesus the Christ. And in him was life and a reference to right at the very beginning that all things that were created were created through him in the beginning. That life at its very core started with the idea of God saying, in the beginning, let us make man in our own image. I'm getting ahead of myself. So here we go. That all life has intrinsic value. It's in Genesis 1, 26 and 31, where he said, let us make man in our own image after our own likeness. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Very good. All of his creation. The word intrinsic means to belong naturally. It's essential. It belongs to the essential nature or the constitution of a thing. And I submit to you this morning that when we talk about the idea of life, that we talk about intrinsic in its in its what it is is value and is life or value bestowed on it from God the Creator. We can't move from there when we as a people of God read through Scripture that first it was God's idea that it was His creation that we that we are to be in the flow of that. I want to show a video here this morning, really short, and then. We'll continue. In a landmark ruling, the Supreme Court today legalized abortions. Thus, the anti-abortion laws of 46 states were rendered unconstitutional. Someone once said that uh, the death of one is a tragedy, the death of a million is a statistic. And when you have that many who have died in this fashion, and it has become so commonplace, that I fear that many Christians have become anesthetized to the horror of it. I think the church, in order to contend for life in our present culture, should acknowledge the fact that it is an issue. We have to acknowledge it and shed light. I had been going to church for 17 years, very involved, um, and never heard the word about abortion or anything to do with abortion. It was like that was something that you just didn't talk about. When I look across the evangelical church on a whole when it comes to the issue of abortion, I think on a whole, we are shamefully silent and appallingly passive. And I say that humbly because that's, that's what I was just a few years ago. That's exactly, I mean, for the majority of my life as a Christian, even the majority of my ministry as a pastor, I. I just looked at abortion as, as this issue that is political, and therefore I don't need to deal with it. The church's role in the world uh, as agents of redemption and as agents of a God of justice would be to stand for justice for those particularly who cannot stand for themselves. In the Bible, justice is linked to advocacy, 
uh, on behalf of those who do not have power. And when you stop and think about it, I don't know that there is a bigger justice issue facing us today than the rights of the unborn. And so the, the holiness of life, the, the rareness of life, the protection of life is inherently a justice issue because only God uh, can give and take life. Uh, and because God himself in his word has told us uh, he's bound up life with justice. We are compelled and convicted by scripture, by the spirit of God through scripture to speak in defense of those that can't speak for themselves. If the conscience of the community is awakened, um, if the compassion of the community is awakened, then it holds great promise for changing the minds of the country, changing the hearts of the country. This is a God issue with implications, the gospel has implications that compel you to act on this issue. What the gospel should do around the topic of abortion is not create this you people and us, you guys that have had abortions and the we that, that haven't had abortions, but rather kind of the default posture of we have sinned also and yet look at our Savior. Every time that you tackle a social issue, you can show it's a gospel issue and this one surely. So you've got abortionists who are killing people. You've got moms complicit. You've got babies who are dying. You've got dads who are forsaking their responsibilities. you get got an industry of, of sin and you've got Jesus dying on the cross for all of it. What if instead the church had a reputation as it did in the first century for pulling people's babies off the trash heap? What if instead the church had a reputation that, that if you got yourself into trouble, you knew that a church would take that child. And not only would the church take that child, but the church would take care of you. Get the people radically, radically devoted to Jesus and radically devoted to his word and radically devoted to a lifestyle that's willing to pay certain prices. And then that kind of swelling unity among evangelicals, there is untold effect. It's my desire this morning that maybe you're here and you've had an abortion or you've participated somebody who's had an abortion or maybe have engaged in acts in your life that have that you know have lent itself towards the dishonoring of life or of others here's what we do know about the words contained in the gospel is that the words contained in the gospel are one of hope and one of redemption and one of forgiveness and of grace and of mercy. And so we know, and I, and I pray this morning that you catch that the posture with which I come to you and submit these ideas about how we value life and about things that we should honor come from that wellspring and that, that you would hear from my heart that there is a God who loves us and forgives and makes a way. Amen?
Amen. And so this morning, that, that as we talk about the sanctity of life and about the necessity for Christians to speak for those who cannot speak for themselves and how to identify areas in our conversations and in our lives where we may dishonor life by our practice, that we would then alter our behavior to say, God, we want to honor you and yield in a way and treat people in a way that would bring glory and honor to the idea of what life is. Amen. And so I want to show this morning, I want to talk through some ways this morning that we dishonor and and uh, that we worked through. And, and these notes were, I didn't say first service, but previously Pastor Doug had shared some thoughts about this. And so I'm jumping off of this. I added some stuff to it just so you know. Years ago, there was, we have had conversations regarding this and that's where I'm jumping off here. When we talk about sanctity, we talk about the state or quality of being holy, sacred, or saintly. That ultimate importance or inviolability is given when we talk about the sanctity of human life. We're talking about the state of it being sacred. Life. The sanctity of human life. I am not just talking about the, the, the pre-born or the unborn. I'm talking about every person that sits here in this building, everyone who is unable to make it to church this morning, those who might be in aging and adult care facilities, those who are in the hospital, everywhere from beginning to end, I am talking about life. Those who have a breath in their lungs, the sanctity of that state. Those who would be alive, that we would see that they are created in the image of God and they are sacred. This goes from the unborn to your neighbor, to the person that you don't know who's a stranger, to the immigrant or the alien who's amongst us. Whoa. This is about understanding the sacred value of the human condition and those who you don't know and those who you do know. See, it's easy, it's really easy to care for the people that you know. Come on. It's really easy. In fact, you build an affinity and a fondness. The, the more that you spend time and get to know, it's like, oh, I care. But what about the people that you don't know? It's easy to look across a nation or, or down at another southern border or over back east and to, to lob theories and thoughts about who those people are and to proclaim uh, judgments about how they're behaving and our response to them abstract and apart from the gospel. It's easy. We can stand behind moments and phrases and, and movements in a nation that might declare certain things about boundaries and borders and put labels on people absent the gospel. But when we delve into the gospel, we see a God who treats aliens and foreigners and those with life radically different and makes us uncomfortable. The fact that I would have to face people who are different than me makes me uncomfortable. The fact that I would have to deal with and get into the section of people's lives where suffering or hopelessness or depression or discouragement or, or disability that sometimes makes us uncomfortable. But if we believe as a people of God that life is sacred... That intrinsic life has this thing that it's God's idea. We'll journey face to face with people in a whole nother light. 
So this morning I want to talk about a few ways that we dishonor the sanctity of life. We dishonor the sanctity of life holding views about our sexuality that are not godly. You see, when we begin to understand that it's God's idea and it's his creation and there is a way that we're to give glory and honor to God with our lives and our bodies, that we begin to understand that he made a path for us. And that path concludes that in the, in the concept of marriage, which was his design, husband and wife, male and female, that we would, that we would work out our sexuality through there, not being promiscuous outside of marriage, understanding that he created a way. When we don't honor that, we say we dishonor the sanctity of life. We dishonor the sanctity of life by all forms of prejudice, social prejudice, class prejudice, ethnic racial prejudice, economic prejudice, Religious prejudice, political, gender, or national prejudice. We dishonor the sanctity of life when we use titles and labels and skin color and even held beliefs and use those as banners and walls that we can lob uh, titles and slurs and even distance between us. And we use those as excuses to not get to know him, not realizing that Jesus came to die for all. And the gospel supersedes all of that. I submit to you that the Lord doesn't care what nation citizenry you hold or what continent you live on. His desire is that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe should not perish. And we, we stop there, right? But the next verse says, For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. That doesn't just stand at our northern border or our southern border. That's far and beyond. God's heart is for all people all the time. Amen. We dishonor the sanctity of life when we allow our hearts to be filled with any sort of prejudice. In James 3 Verse 9, it says, with, with it, our tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. How, can we, how is it that we can do both? The Lord addressed that. And in Leviticus 19, verses 13 through 18, it says, you shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired servant shall not remain with you all night until the morning. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or deferred to the great, but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This was about community and about engaging with one another and how we deal with one another through justice and righteousness far surpasses the color of your skin or your condition or your mental capacity or your citizenship 
or your capabilities as a person who you are. Am I shaking anybody here? Some of your faces are really warping on me. Come on, come on. We dishonor the sanctity of life when we allow that, that those ideas and those philosophies to creep into our heart and mind. We dishonor the aged. Here's one that skits me. We dishonor the aged when we feel like their usefulness is of no, more, no merit to us anymore. We dishonor the aged when we feel like we've heard enough of what they have to say. We dishonor the aged when we attempt to sideline him. We dishonor the aged when we're unwilling to make accommodations for him. We dishonor the aged when we're willing to mock or give insults or make fun of. We dishonor the sanctity of life when we dishonor the aged. We dishonor the sanctity of life when we give our lives to materialism and workaholism. Hear, hear, me, hear me out here. We live in a land of great opportunity. And much of the reward is quickly tied to how much you're able to give. And so it's like this machine. I give more of my life and my time and I'm rewarded. I give more of my life and my time and I'm rewarded. But all of life is about relationships. That human connection thing. And when we have family and friendships and relationships that suffer, suffer greatly in many cases because we've given our lives to the pursuit of the American dream and all of its rewards, which, which, which I, I pray that, that everyone is able to, to reap of the benefit of their ability to work and ha- create income and have be blessed. But when it... When you have expended the relational bank of family and of spouses and of children, and though you've gained the whole world, but you've left, left a wasteland behind in your family or around relationships, you dishonored the sanctity of life. We dishonor the sanctity of life in euthanasia. That's the painless killing of patients suffering from an incurable and painful disease or an irreversible coma. We as a church stand for life from conception to death by natural means. And this is a really sensitive topic, and as, as all of these are. But we've taken a stand because we recognize that we couldn't label or classify or draw a line through what constitutes life and where it's value. And so we stand for life. And we've been with families who have had to walk through very difficult decisions. We love them. We're compassionate. We're willing to, to come alongside and pray. But, but we stand for life. We stand for life on the topic of abortion. And advocating for those that cannot advocate for themselves. I, I was uh, recently, what, what caused even the narrative of this sermon to change was recently what happened last week in New York where a new bill was signed that allowed abortion up until the due date uh, for any reason, any cause. And, and so as the governor signed that, he, he even subsequently had the World Trade Centers lit up in pink for the celebration of what he signed. And there was, it, it caused a strong reaction. And one of the reactions that it caused, and I just want to read you a comment, was, was how tragic that the governor orders World Trade Center to be lit pink to celebrate new law in New York permitting unborn babies to be killed by abortion up until birth, dot, dot, dot. 
While the World Trade Center Memorial below bears the names of 11 unborn children who lost their lives in the 9-11 attacks. Natively, we know that the unborn hold value. Natively, we as Christians will advocate for the unborn. You see, justice permeates the gospel. It's the gospel narrative. And where they got it wrong, they had to adjust. And where we get it wrong, we have to adjust. And in the issue of abortion is what was shared in the video. The Christian life and the Christian voice is all too often silent. And our attitude, complacent. If there's anything this morning I want to encourage is to stir you to action and to thought. And when you hear of this topic come up in your realm and in areas that you have influence and in places that you can give an opinion or sign something that would show that you're going to stand for life, I encourage you and implore you to do it. Unborn babies have value. We stand for that. When you neglect to share the gospel with your neighbor, you show that you dishonor the sanctity of life, that we can live day to day close by, even co-workers, and never give the greatest thing we ourselves have achieved or received, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, amen, which is forgiveness, which is new life, which is hope. When we take attitudes and hold positions on the immigrant or the refugee, we dishonor the sanctity of life. All right, here we go. In in Moses Lake, and in the area that I live, it's very easy to inflame people regarding the refugee or migrant conversation. It's very easy to put labels and to hold very strong opinions about the people at our southern border or the thousands of people marching north to make a statement. And and we make comments and we make assertions and we hold positions. It's very easy to look uh, across the continents, across the oceans and and declare that that we have certain positions and ideology and we we put labels. and, And I hear Christians and even after this first service, I had dialogue with people who were, who were uncaring and didn't care what happened to people as they crossed the desert. Whether they lived or died, they broke the law, and that should be the penalty. My position to you is this. When you look through the gospel and when you look through scripture, the attitude is not that they broke the law and broke the border, came across the border. The posture was, did you feed them? Did you care for them? Did you give them some place to stay? Did you treat them justly? Wow. Wow. Don't let your face betray your heart right now. Don't let it come out. I'm I'm imploring that we would re-examine our position as believers and as a church, just as a people, that what do we convey to people who are desperately in need? It's our only argument that we would stand at the line and say, this is the border. I don't care what happens to you. Do not cross. I understand that we're a nation's of laws, and it's even sad I have to give this disclaimer, that I'm for the laws of a land, and I understand what borders do, and I understand what nations have to do to, but that doesn't dictate my heart response. 
to those seeking a better life. It doesn't dictate that I could hear these things and enrage that we have policies and procedures that are anti the sanctity of life. It's not okay. From the worldview that I see through the gospel, it's not okay just to give these blatant labels and then to write them off and, not, and act as though we don't care what happens to the plight of people just because they're not our citizenry and not our people as a nation. We dishonor the sanctity of life when we don't value the plight of immigrants, aliens, and refugees in our land. I I want to follow this up because I don't want to just end there, but I want to follow up with the many ways that we can honor the sanctity of life. This is a list that was made that, that just thinking through that we would adopt a biblical view and practice of human sexuality, that we would determine that our life would bring glory and honor to God and that we'll practice our sexuality in the context of what's right and what we see in Scripture. Abstinence in marriage, sexual function, sexual release. This is a conversation that we got to have. It's the yielding of our will to the gospel. Jesus, you be Lord here. God, you tell us and we'll yield to it, even though I may rage inside. That we would embrace all human beings as equal in value and we would repent of any prejudice and ask God to change our heart and mind. Think about this, and I'm not, I'm not casting a wide net to, to condemn and to bring final judgment, but I know the human condition is about judgment. The human condition does put final thoughts and words on people that we, that we harbor in our hearts, and it's very easy to hold on to, to, to one way and to, to then say, since they aren't that, they cannot. And I would simply say that we pray that we ask God, to rightly deal with us or deal with us, he'll do it rightly, about what's in our hearts and about what we think about others and the stranger and those different than us. That we would honor the aged and seek to glean knowledge and understanding from them. Here's the thing. The whole concept of, of wisdom and those who have gone before, there's a biblical concept that, that says that a fool says in their heart, I'm not going to listen to what they they have to say, I'm going to go do it my own way. That's a, that's a paraphrase. The idea that we would disregard who's gone before and what they've done, and we would want to go make our own mistakes. That, that even the scripture gives great, great uh, weight to Leviticus 19.32. It says, you should stand up before the gray head. Huh. It's that very thing everyone tries to cover, huh? It's like the, the gray head. And honor the face of an old man. And you shall fear your God, for I am the Lord. What what was he doing? What was he doing? He he was building in the posture of the people that you'll respect those who have gone before. You'll respect. Honor them. Understand. Make accommodations for them. Listen to them. Preferred seating. We're going to do this rightly. We're going to show preference just because you are. We're going to do this. This is, what, this is what was shown in Scripture that we would honor. Let's be a people that honor those who have gone before. Let's be a people who, who say, ah, beneath that coloring, they're gray. Hey, come. You want a chair right here. 
We want to do this. You got my chair. It's the last seat. You can take it. Best seat in the house. Come on. You're, oh, you're hungry? We'll move you first. We'll, we'll take care of this. You're first in the line. Have your way. That we would honor. Honor. That we would have a right work, material, possession, balance. That we would understand my family was entrusted to me. I have a responsibility to care and to be in through their lives. There's a balance that happens that we need to draw a line on. That we would use every lawful and ethical and biblical means available to oppose and stop euthanasia. We, we are for that. We are for making a stand. We are for signing whatever needs signed. We are for giving towards what needs give to. We, we are for saying we are, we are against that. We believe life has value and we're willing to stand for that. We're willing, to, we're willing to stand and use every lawful, ethical, and biblical means available to oppose and stop abortion. Whatever is in your realm or influence or whatever measure you could sign, that you would stand and make your voices heard. And if the Holy Spirit moves on you to go minister to people who are in that, making a decision, or even we have a ministry here in our city called Crossroads. Uh, the director was with us this morning here to worship. That is, a, that is a ministry for abortion-minded women. If you feel like the Lord's moving on you to in some way support or lend your help or even to volunteer there, we encourage you. We can give you information that can connect you to, to a ministry that is on the front lines caring for abortion-minded women. That we would share the gospel of Jesus Christ with our neighbor and offer hope, forgiveness, and redemption to those who have sinned against life. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. You see, this morning, really, my hope was to remind you that God is about life. And that as believers, we are called to stand and to fight and to speak against and speak for those that can't speak for themselves, those that maybe are unable to, unwilling to, those on the fringes that find themselves on the outs for whatever reason that they might say, that we would stand to say what's right here, what's justice, what needs to be done, that we as believers have something to lend to the conversation and that your life has value. All of you sitting here today, your life has value. You have something to contribute to the conversation. You have something to contribute to the life of another. You have something to contribute to your family, to your friends, even to your church, church family. You have something to contribute because you are. And I feel like this morning that we'd be reminded of that. That we not give in to what's going on in, a cust in the customs and ways of the world, but that we would remember that life was God's idea. Amen. And it was his way. And we're going to stand for that. Amen?